0: Uh, In the first week of this series, I spent a little time talking with uh, you all about, uh, let's just self-examine when it comes to jerk face. Let's do a little self-examining and let's just look at the situation and say, is it possible that I'm a little bit jerky at times? Uh, Is it possible that that's my situation? And so we did that. We did a little self-examining. And then In the second week of the series, we did a little talk about empathy, and we said, hey, if you and I are going to be less jerky, we've got to decide to be more empathetic to people. And so we dealt with that. Uh, Remember, we said in this series that oftentimes jerkiness comes from this flow of people hurting on the inside. And so we talked about that. Then in week three of this series... We spent a little time just learning how to be a peacemaker. And that if you're here today and you call yourself a believer in Christ, it is important to be a peacemaker. And we can decrease the level of jerkiness in our culture when we're peacemakers. And today, I want to talk to you about a topic that's very sensitive, and yet it's on the minds of perhaps many people here. What do you do in life... When you think maybe because God didn't do what you thought he should do, when you prayed, when you had a need in your life and you don't think he delivered right, what do you do when you think maybe God's being jerky to you? Now, I think that uh, probably for those of you who are digging into your faith, you're digging into your walk with God, you're strong in the word. Uh, you would say that seems really weird for anybody to ever think that God could ever be jerky, but if we could just get outside of our Christian bubbles for just a little bit, there's something we would discover going on in our communities, uh, going on uh, with people around us that causes them to not want a connection with God. As a matter of fact, there are two primary reasons why somebody would say, I don't want anything to do with God. It's happening right now all over our community with people. The first would be this. I know I've done some things that God wouldn't like, And I know it's really bad, and so God could never love me because of what I've done. And there are people in our community that believe this. As a matter of fact, they'll say things like, I could never go to church because if I walked into church, it would burn down. And if that is you, great news. We're still here. Everything's going good. You visited with us today. No fires. We're doing great. Uh, So that's the first thing. But the other thing that people will say about why I don't want a relationship with God or it could never happen or... I'm not interested anyways, As they'll say something like, you know, I, I feel like uh, God let me down. I prayed one time, I needed something one time, I went to God about something, he didn't come through, and so I really thank you for the talk about Jesus, but I really don't want anything to do with God. And perhaps, some of you, that's your story, as a matter of fact. This can even happen to Christians who are losing hope about things, who are wondering, God, will you come through? When the letdown comes, you feel like God's at least let you down. It can be very difficult to deal with. I think any time in life we feel like we've been let down, you know, it causes, we could feel like it causes a trust issue or causes like, uh, we, maybe we doubt a little bit. You know, I, I remember one time, one of my daughters, we went and watched this movie uh, at the theater a long time ago. It's has been a long time, but it was called How to Train Your Dragon. Has anybody heard of that movie? And it's really cute. Some parts of that movie, just really, really cute. And we had this sweet little dragon at the end. We left the theater. My daughters were young. And one of them said, dad, can we, can we go find a dragon? And I said, you know what? Let's go try to find one. Well, I, I I committed to trying to find a dragon. So we, uh, there's a little place with some woods near our house. I said, we'll, we'll go there and we'll have, we'll get kind of do the part and we'll go, we'll go look around. And so we, did that. Of course, we didn't find a dragon. Dad, can we go back? Sure, we go back, we go back and look again. At some point, I had to level with her (laughs) that we weren't going to find a a dragon. I'm sure that was a little bit of a letdown. I try to say, well, I said we'd go try to find one. I don't know if I guaranteed you that we'd actually find one. It's probably a little bit of a letdown. I had to kind of rationalize with her, like this is kind of what was going on, you know. Uh, but I think, you know, it, when you're young, there are things that can cause you to feel let down. You get older in life as an adult, just in life in general, there are things that can feel like a let down. But what does it feel like when you're depending on God and you prayed on a more serious note? You, you prayed that you, you, would, you would be able to have a baby. And you prayed and prayed, and it didn't happen or it hasn't happened. And what does it look like when you prayed for your spouse in that marriage that something would happen, that something would change so that your marriage could be better and you prayed and prayed and it didn't happen. It hasn't happened. Whatever it looks like, it didn't happen. And, And what do you do when that loved one of yours that you prayed would live through this illness that they were facing and they didn't, it didn't happen? It's just something that our, that people are dealing with. Again, people right here, what do you do when you prayed for a miracle to take place and the miracle didn't, didn't happen? And oh, by the way, while you were praying for a miracle and it wasn't happening for you, it happened for somebody else. How do you feel? Like, is it possible you could hold a grudge against God? Is it possible you could be mad at him? Is it possible you could think he was a little jerky? Yeah, It is possible. On top of that, we not only understand that sometimes God doesn't do the things maybe that we want him to do, but we also uh, come to this, this understanding about God. It's very hard. It's hard to deal with for people that sometimes he just knows more about what's best for our life. And we don't always like that. You know, it, it, it's true that our heavenly father knows more about things for your life than, than you actually understand. So sometimes we're praying for material things. You know, God, I need a better house, need a job, need more money, need to fix my car, whatever it may be, better car. And we're praying for those things and we don't get those things and and yet many times our God is is trying to throw up some red lights on some situations and and we don't like that either because is it possible that our Heavenly Father knows what's best for us in a situation? I think, of course, he does, but we, we still struggle with that. Heck, when we're children and our parents seem to know what's best for us but we don't like what it is that they're telling us, we could push back against our parents, right? When we're kids and our parents tell us, give us some wisdom and we don't like it, we, we push back. Of course, they know more about life than we do when we're kids, but we don't, we don't want to hear it. I remember one time, uh, one of my daughters was outside running when she was little. They were, she was running on the concrete with her flip-flops. And I called her in and said, hey, hey, if you go out and run on the concrete, don't run in flip-flops, man. Come in and, and put, your, put your sneakers on. And I can remember going back to a time in my life as a child when my mama did the same thing for me. She said, come in. If you're going to run outside, don't run in flip-flops on the concrete. Come inside. Put your shoes on. I didn't like that because I had to stop what I was doing. And this is ridiculous. I can run in my flip-flops. Well, what was my mom trying to show me that I was also trying to show my daughter in that moment about running on concrete? What was it? You already know. You could fall with flip-flops. Though I didn't like it, she, she knew, I knew for my own daughter that this, it, this is not the best plan for you to run out on the concrete in flip-flops. Of course, we get older as kids. We grow up and all of a sudden we hit about our 20s and our parents seem to get smarter every day. It's really interesting how that works out. But, <laughs> but when we're young, it's just like, well, do they really know the, the better plans? Do they understand what's better maybe for my life? And again, this plays out. In our lives and our relationship with God, because sometimes we're praying that our bills situation would be different, our financial what you know, all these little things we're praying for and God's showing trying to show us something very different. It's hard, it's hard in those moments to really trust that God is worthy of being trusted, even when we're maybe losing hope. And so what I wanted to do is just give you three things and then we'll be done that I think will be very helpful. To you, if you're in this situation, if you're feeling some kind of way towards God that that is upsetting uh, about some situation, I'm gonna give you these things. So, in your notes, if you'll write these down, if you think God's being jerky to you, I want you to remember some things. Here's the first thing in your notes God is deeply desperate for you right now, even if you are not desperate for Him. And I'm putting that there in just sort of a foundational setting here before we move forward, because you might come to a place in your life where you doubt his love and his care for you because you didn't get something that you you wanted. That is that 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 can happen. And 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 really, the truth is, is on our best day of desperation, we're never as desperate for God as He is for us. I mean, He went to the max for you and I. We could never really match that. But again, we could lose we could lose sight of that. Have you ever been desperate for something like just like? It was like feeling critical, life, death sort of situation. I, one time after I had been speaking here, it's been several years ago, I had spoke uh, many times during the week, I spoke on the weekend, and I was pretty exhausted, but I had some other things going on as well, and I didn't understand it. And so I was at Bush Gardens, we went on a Monday with my family, and my body felt like it was just shutting down. Um, like uh, breathing problem, uh, heart rate, all these things were taking place. It was a mess. I, I'm blacking out a little bit. So I, I told my wife, I said, we got to go to the ER right now. And so we get in the car, we go to the emergency room, and I'm there, and I start talking to one of the nurses while I'm waiting. And she's like, I just think you're dehydrated. And you like, yeah, I think you need some water, like now. And fluids. And so I started taking these Gatorades, right? It's one after another. In that moment, I'm just desperate. Water, water, fluids, give me, give me more. And I'm just drinking one after the next, after the next. 30, 45 minutes, hour later, things start to calm. In that moment, I was desperate for a hydration. It felt like a critical situation. So I'm just taking it all in. On that day, in my desperate attempt for just hydration to just kind of stay alive and quench my thirst. God's desperation for me, even in that day, was even greater, and what he wants to quench in you and I is a thirst that's in our soul, but we don't understand it. We're looking for other things from him, and we can lose sight on any day, at any moment of how desperate he is for us to help us see his desperation, but to help us also understand what God is doing in the lives of humanity every day despite us losing sight of it. I want us to look at a moment in history about a particular character that uh, comes up in, in history. Uh, his name is Jarius, and God, uh, God has plans for Jarius. Jesus is trying to reveal those plans to Jarius, and it's a, it's a big moment in helping you understand our topic here today. Let's look at what it says in Mark. Chapter 5, verse 21, when Jesus had crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. This is very common. If you're not aware, Jesus would go places, there would be big crowds. And Jesus, in his years on earth, was very intentional intentional about how he handled those crowds. Uh, He was always using those moments to draw people in, to hear teachings, to see miracles, to point people to the bigger picture. And in this story we're about to look at here, we're gonna see this very thing, this bigger picture that you and I need to understand. We need to see how it's playing out yet again here in God's word. It goes on, it says this. Then one of the synagogue rulers named Jarius, all right, with the J, not Darius, not Pastor Darius, Jarius, (laughs) this guy, a synagogue ruler, here's something you need to know. He would have opposed Jesus. All right, coming into this moment, Prior to this moment, he would have been in opposition to Jesus. I'm just going to tell you that right now. So just kind of set the stage here. All right, now, he came there to see, seeing Jesus, he fell at his feet and pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying. Please come put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him and a large crowd followed and pressed around him. You are going to see the desperation right there of the situation. Though Jairus, to that moment, had been rebellious towards Jesus, now he needed something. And it was clearly a desperate situation. His 12-year-old daughter is, is, is dying. A couple things about that. First of all, I find it interesting and it's very revealing for you and I. Like We could be very rebellious towards God, but in a moment where we need him, all of a sudden we're like, Okay, now I need you, God. We do that still today. Before we pick on Jairus for being rebellious and then all of a sudden saying, now, God, I need you. This still ha- People do this all the time with God. Oh, now I need you. Respond the way that I need you to respond. There's nothing wrong with turning to God in those moments of desperation, but there is a bit of a... Rebellion taking place prior to this moment and now all of a sudden Jairus has come to this place of a desperate situation. God, will you pay attention to me? Jesus, will you respond to me? 2,000 years later, this is humanity still. Will you see my situation, God? Will you come to my rescue? Will you be there by my side? I wanna say this to you. If you don't hear anything else today, you need to hear this. The God of the universe is desperate for you right now, even if you are not. He's desperate for you, and if you ever doubt God's desperation for you, being at a high level, all you need to do is look at the cross. And what took place on the cross is something that's never, ever happened in all of human history, a savior being sent for humanity to die a bloody death on a cross for you and for me, the Son of God, offered up a requirement, an offering was required for the forgiveness of sin for humanity and God gave his son for you. That is a portrait of incredible desperation. Now, Jarius, I mentioned earlier, was rebellious and now all of a sudden he's in the situation where he he has a need. For some of you, just so you know, this, this was your story. You had been living in rebellion towards God. Remember I said last week, I said, uh, if you are not living for god you're at war with him and I said and most people I said last week most people would never say i'm at war with god pastor gary i just don't believe well if you're not with god you're against him and so you're at war with him and kind of that's Jarius's story it's his story as well he's kind of in rebellion and for many of you you were in a state of rebellion at one time and then you made that surrender you you turned to Christ for the forgiveness of your sin and you you had this encounter. I know some people will say, I found Jesus or I found God. We well, didn't really find him because he wasn't lost. <laughs> God wasn't all very confused about where he was and then you found him. You know, like, oh my goodness, I found, it was in Walmart <laughs> and there you found God. He was at the wrong store but now he came to Walmart because he was shopping for a velvet painting of himself and now... He found one there at Walmart and I, and, and I found him. Well, he, he, he was never lost. You kind of were in your rebellious state and your hardening of your heart. But in a moment, in a time that I encountered, you encountered, you decided, I don't want to be rebellious. I want to turn towards you. And Jarius is kind of in that moment of a pivot, of a change in his life that some people here in this room have encountered that maybe, just maybe, my, my life needed to change. There needed to be a transformation. And as a part of that transformation, I needed my sin forgiven. And that's critical to having a relationship with God. Forgiven people have a relationship with God. And you can't forgive yourself. Only God can provide forgiveness, and he did through the Son, Jesus Christ. So it, it, a way had been made for those who had sinned or fallen short or rebellious. And every one of us in this room have done that. We've rebelled, in other words. We've had those moments, you know, don't bear false witness. In other words, don't lie. Some of you are like, I've never lied. Oh, you have. <laughs> you went to the DMV one day and shaved five pounds off your weight like you just did. because right then and there. And some of you say, well, well I, I, I know uh, it says don't murder. I've never murdered nobody. Uh, Jesus took it to another level. I don't know if you know this, but he said, if you hate in your heart, you've murdered. Amen. Well, I've never committed adultery. Uh, Jesus took it to another level, and he said, if you've lusted in your heart for somebody that ultimately is not your spouse, not your wife, not your husband, if you have that lust towards somebody like that that, that you're not married to, you've committed adultery. Uh, so we've all fallen short. Like, there's times where we did not honor our father and mother and we get these guardrails, these commandments, a guidepost to see when we're getting it right, kind of when we're getting it wrong. But when we get it wrong, now there's a pathway for forgiveness for the times where we messed up, where we made a mistake and God was so desperate To provide that pathway that he gave us, Jesus, I'll say this to you this morning. It does not matter how you feel about him this morning. If you're mad at him, you're upset with him, you're angry with him, he created you, he loves you, he has a plan for you. There's a reason why you are here this morning. It's not the reason you think you're here. And there's a reason why you're drawing air in your lungs. It is because he is desperate for you and wants to show you something about your life. Here's the second thing in your notes. God... We must understand that God does not always do what we want him to do, what we want him to do. By the way, how many of you figured this out the hard way? Just go ahead, it's okay, we can be honest. (laughs) Yeah, I figured it out for sure. I think anytime in life you and I have a way that we want it to go and it doesn't, it can be frustrating, let's just set God aside for just a second. In your calendar of your day, You got it all laid out, and this is how it's going to go, and then there's a problem, an interruption. It can be frustrating on any given day. Now, just imagine what happens when life spins a different way than you thought, or you wanted to go a different way in life in general, but I mean, every day we could have something just deeply frustrated. One time, it was late night, I was driving, I was by myself, and uh, I was going to be on the interstate for quite a while in the middle of the night, and I needed some caffeine, so I had this moment where I stopped at a convenience store. I won't name the name of the store, but I stopped at the convenience store and I went to get one of those big deal caffeine drinks. You know what I'm talking about? Like the big kind of monster type deal, it was a big energy drink. And uh, because I just, I needed some caffeine, you know? So 220 milligrams, <laughs> that's where I was headed, you know? Don't judge me. Yeah, you, you have your own problems, all right? So here, so I'm like, all right, I gotta get the energy drink. So I go in the store and here's the thing about me. If I'm going to have an energy drink, I'm not, I'm not doing the full sugar thing, all right? I don't need 200 carbs and 220 milligrams, all right? So I just need, the, I just need like, the, 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 the sugar-free one. So I go in there. They got a BOGO deal, and it says BOGO sugar-free or whatever it is, sugar-free energy drink. And I buy two. Get in the car. I'm on the road. Take the first sip of the drink. And it's sweet as can be. I look at it. It's not sugar-free. Now I've just wasted my energy, wasted my time, wasted my money. I don't need an energy drink now because I'm mad because I had this wasted stop. I'm just upset about it. And in that moment, here's of here's, here's how I was. I ain't never shopping at that store again. That, that said sugar-free and it wasn't sugar-free. Like I was so quick to just write them off. And some people in their walk with God, they don't get what they want and they are quick to just write God off. Well, I had it planned this way, God, but you did it a whole different way. Uh, let's go back to Jairus in the scripture. This moment in history, uh, he's got this daughter of his who's sick; she's about to die. And it says this in Mark 5:25. It says, "And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for twelve years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors. She had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she, drew, she grew worse." When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd touched his cloak, his clothing, and because she thought, if I just touch his clothing, if I just touch his clothing, I will be healed immediately, her bleeding stop, she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. This is the moment where the struggle is going to begin for Jairus, because remember, hey, Jesus, we're on our way to my place over here to heal my daughter, and now we got an interruption, to the plan, we got this woman who's in need, and so here's what happens: is, at once Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, "Who touched my clothes?" Like, it, like this a whole another sermon about this, but he realizes that somebody's had a faith attempt to connect with him, and just by the touching of the garments. He knows that somebody is desperate, and so it captures his attention. You see people crowding against you as disciples, answers, and yet, as disciples answered, and yet you could ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Hey, Jesus, uh, my daughter, now we're gonna stop and handle this other situation? Here's what it says. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet. Now Jairus is thinking, oh, great. What, are we having a worship service now? Like, really? Come on. We got, come on. What, is this an altar call? Can we just move on here? Well, it just goes on. and says, and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. Now he's thinking, all right, yeah, the whole truth. And because she's a woman, how long is the, you know how detailed this is going to get? Oh, She's now going to spew out the truth about her life. Holy smokes, man! I don't miss that. This is the spiritual moment, though, when he talks about she's revealing truth. What she's revealing is the deeper struggles in her heart and her life. And this is ultimately, in the midst of the crowds, what Jesus did regularly. Let's let's actually get to the heart of what's really going on. He said to her, he interrupted her, he said, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Yeah, we dealt with the physical, but we're dealing with the spiritual. We're dealing with the forgiveness of sin. We're dealing with salvation in your life. You have been set free from the physical, but you have been set free from the more important thing, the spiritual brokenness. They did all the work for this woman, and it was important, it was important, but Jarius has got to be thinking, but what? What about, hey, what about me? Now I could imagine. He's over in the corner murmuring, like, why are we wasting all, all of our time when this difficult situation is waiting back where I live in my place? I think. Any of us could see a situation where we would look at it and go, God. I got timing going on. This happens to you and I when we say, God, I do want my marriage fixed now. I do want my financial situation fixed now. I do need help with this thing in my life right now. Keep my family member alive now. It's got to happen now and then it's not or it's taking long. It's not going how you want. But here's what you need to know is so critical about this moment in history that I would love for you to hear if you could hear this. Jesus is telling Jairus, God is not interested in you submitting your plans to him. God is interested in you submitting your life to him. Two radically different things. We come to him all the time with our plans, but what he's more interested in is our life. All of it. There's a revealing taking place here in this time With with Jarius. And I think this is where faith ends for a lot of people. Because there's a a digger, there's a digging, a dig digging deeper in the faith situation that that we have to be willing to take that goes beyond just kind of like, okay, my plans. There's a fullness of trusting with the wholeness of my life and, and digging deeper and deeper and deeper into the things of God. That's a line of faith that some people don't cross because they don't cross it because one thing happened, they didn't get what they wanted, and they, they're out. And I've watched this happen with new believers. First time something didn't go right, they were out. I've watched this happen with longtime believers who haven't dug into the word of God to know who the nature of God is, and I've seen that happen. Of course, people who've just tried God on an occasion have struggled with this as well. And then it gets more difficult as I mentioned earlier because what do you do when you are praying for something and God is blessing somebody else while you're waiting? That's hard and what you'll see take place in a moment like that even amongst Christians is jealousy. Like you've been, let's just say, even Christians will do this, Like you've been praying for a better car, your car's dilapidated, God we need a new car, I don't know how it's gonna happen, I need a new car. And you're waiting and your, your buddy gets a car. And now, all of a sudden, these things change in your mind. You're like, why did they get a new car? They don't even need a car. Don't they know there's world hunger? What could they do with the money that they just spent on that car? All of a sudden, you're really spiritual about the poor because you're jealous. Why did they get blessed over me? Maybe you're a Christian woman. You've been praying for that man. You've been, when can I have, I'm looking for that husband. I want that Christian husband. And while you're waiting, your friend gets blessed. And all of a sudden, pfft, Jealousy comes out. Oh, she don't even know who she married. It's them. They ain't even gonna last. I know they're not gonna last. And by the way, I'm prettier than her, anyways. I don't even know why she, she. He sees it in her. What about me? All kinds of weird things happen when we put these plans on God, and then it's not going how we want. And this is the third thing I, I put in your notes: is God's plans for us are not only different, but they're always going to be greater than our plans for us they're always greater we we think at this level kind of like right here i was just outside and the boy said this is a really great question from an 18 year old boy he, just now he said pastor gary what's one piece of great advice you'd give me about life i said well i'll tell you a piece of great advice there's good and then there's great and there's the old saying you know good is the robber of great and people settle for the good life and God says I got a great life for you. I want you to discover what that is in sinking into the things of me. In other words, God's plans are always going to be they're always going to be bigger, but it's hard in a moment to trust that there may be something bigger, that there may be something a bigger revealing for us, you know? And we, we could lose a little hope or a little trust in God's authority and his plans. One time uh, recently one of my daughters was needing something and she she came, she said Dad, I, I need this thing. And I said, I'll take care of it. It's going to be handled. Dad. But Dad. But, but, uh, listen, baby, listen. I'm going to take care of the situation. You just got to trust me. I'm going to take care of it. But Dad, I don't know about... Hey! And it came this moment where I threw out this phrase and maybe some of you are old enough you'll know what I'm talking about when I said it. Here's what I said to her. Hey, baby, listen. You need to recognize. Now... What was I saying in that moment? Those of you know that kind of language. I'm saying, don't do you don't you know who you're talking to? Like I, I have an authority here, and there's things I can get accomplished. All right, so just trust me. I'm gonna handle the situation. And I think sometimes God wants to say that to us. You know, we come into a place like this and we're worshiping and we're worshiping God. We love you. We worship you. And then we go back home and something doesn't go the way we want. We start losing hope. We start getting a little bit frustrated. God, what's taking place? Why is this happening? I think God wants to say to you, you better recognize. Don't you know who I am? Don't you know what my resume looks like? I am the one who puts interstate highways through the Red Sea. I am the God that when there was a giant named Goliath, I put this little guy David out there with just a sling and a rock and he took down the giant. Hey, when y'all was in the wilderness, I'm the one that brought the food out of the sky and water from the rock. That's the kind of guy I am. And oh, by the way, I'm the guy who gave my son Jesus Christ, my son, for the forgiveness of your sin. You better recognize my plans are greater in your plans. It goes on in Mark 5, 35. It says, while Jesus was still speaking, some men came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue ruler, saying, and here's the crusher. Your daughter's dead, they said. This is tough. There's probably one of two reactions that Jairus would have here in this moment. One could be, well, I still trust you, (laughs) I still have hope, or the other is, okay, buddy, I gave you one chance and you blew it. I'm done. I'm out. I would imagine it was probably the latter. That would be how I would guess it might go for him. And I think that, because I think that's what humanity does today. I'm out. I gave you one chance, didn't do it the way that I wanted. I think there are Christians. And maybe because, again, you're not in the Word, you're not digging into the nature of God and understanding the truth about who He is and what He wants for humanity ultimately that you're losing a little bit of hope as well. In fact, do you know what one of the most used F words is amongst Christians? <laughs> not, not that one. No, no. <laughs> it's four letters and it's fine. Everything's fine. I'm fine. <laughs> Meanwhile, under the surface, you're losing hope about something, something that happened, not, it's not happening the way that you wanted. And, and here, for Jarius. It's definitely not happened the way that he wanted. It says, they, they came to him. Why are you even bothered? Look, Jairus, why bother the teacher? They're kind of making fun of the situation now. Like this guy who calls himself so important. Don't bother him anymore. Ignoring what they said, Jesus told the synagogue ruler Jairus, he said, don't be afraid, just believe. Oh, okay, but we took forever with the other lady. And my daughter has passed away. Jesus is revealing something to Jairus. My plans are bigger. I am Jesus. I am the son of God. Yeah, but, but, but Jesus, you, by all accounts, you need to understand, like, we missed a moment. She has passed away. It seems like it's over. And Jesus is revealing to Jairus, no, 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 no. The way I work, it'll be over when I say it's over. Not when you say it's over. You may have given up. You may find it hard to believe, maybe today, in this moment, this morning, you're in a situation where you've lost hope about your your life, something going on, you wonder if there's any greater plans, and the reminder is this morning that, hold on now, there's a bigger revealing that I want to bring to your attention. Will you stand firm? Will you hold on to the ultimate hope? It goes on, it says this. In this moment, Jesus, he did not let anybody follow him except Peter, James, John, the brother of James. And when they came to the house of the synagogue ruler, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. And they laughed at him. Do you know that people laugh at God when they don't understand his plans? That happens. After he put them all out, it says, this is Jesus doing a clear out. I go back to when he cleared out the temple courts because of the riffraff going on. It's another clear out moment. God can't do a work with mockers. God can't do a work with people who are scoffing. God does work with the people who are holding on, people who are holding on hope, people that are believing after he put them all out he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was took her by the hand and said to her talitha which means little girl i say to you get up immediately the girl stood up and walked around she was 12 years old now i don't know about you but when the dead person gets up and starts walking it seems the funeral has ended it's ended She is up, and she's walking. At this, they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. Two reasons why this is happening, the way it's happening with Jairus and Jesus. I didn't put this in your notes, but here's the first reason it's happening. Number one, Jesus was revealing that he had a greater miracle in mind. What is the greater miracle? Ready? Quiz. See how well you do. What is the greater miracle? Healing the sick or raising somebody from the dead? Go ahead. Raising. I do feel like maybe some of you weren't sure, so let's just rewind. I want to give you another chance. Because I feel pretty confident about my answer. I just want, what is the bigger miracle? Healing the sick or raising somebody from the dead? Raising somebody from the dead. I, I, I feel that way every time. And here is a greater miracle taking place that is still something that's happening today. The greater miracle 2,000 years later for you and I is the raising of people from the dead. And it's a portrait of what Jesus has come to do spiritually, that people were dead in their sin spiritually, and through Jesus Christ, their sin was forgiven, and now they found new life in him, eternal life. I put in your notes. Let's just recalibrate what Jesus came for ultimately. Yes, to show us right living through righteousness. Yes, to to show us how we can encounter the blessings of God at times in our life. Yes, prayer, things like that. We learned these things from Jesus. But we must never forget the greater miracle, the greatest plan for us through Jesus Christ. I wrote in your notes. First is the forgiveness of our sin. That's why he came. that's available it's a promise available to everybody in this room still today 2,000 years later that he became the offering the sacrifice for all of humanity forgiveness of sin what did that do it allowed people to now have a relationship with God forgiven people have a relationship with God and then that brings the third great promise which is that you have eternal life through Jesus Christ Uh, your sin is forgiven you are now connected with God. People who are connected with God have eternal life. These are the great promises, and they're still working today, and that's the revealing here for Jarius. Jarius, it's not about this sick situation, and yes, that's important, don't get me wrong, but I have come to show that there could be life after death, and that's the other thing Jesus is revealing here in this story with Jarius. Jesus is all about bringing people back to life. That is just what he does all the time. It's all about raising us from death to life. It's all about knowing that though we live in this world that is broken and that our bodies give out and that we will draw our last breath one day, but for those who are connected with God, they will rise again. They will live. They will live eternally. It's being played out over and over in the scriptures. It's reminding, it's reminding us of that today as we read this moment in history. Listen, Jesus died on the cross to permanently end death. Right. Hear me before you leave. You might come in and say, well, thanks, Pastor Gary. I don't want anything to do with that. I appreciate you sharing. Let's go out and do what we're gonna do. I, I just want you to hear, hear this. Without Christ... You are dead on your very best day here on this earth. I don't know what a best day looks like for you, but on your very best day on this earth, you are dead without Christ. Let's pray. God, you are revealing to us, maybe some people right now, some Christians, who just, they're they're losing a little hope on something. I don't know what it is. And maybe, maybe you're just challenging them to, Number one, hold on to those original promises, but number two, to to dig in deeper into the faith, to cross another line of trusting and hoping and, and, and to refocus our attention on the things that we've known from the very beginning when we said yes to Jesus Christ, our sin was forgiven and we were connected with God and we discovered that there could be life after death and we were holding on to that but then some things happened in our plans and our ways and they differed from God's designs and plans and we got frustrated we got upset and maybe some of you are just kind of coming back to that original hope right now but I know in a room with this many people and people watching online perhaps there's a person watching right now and you know you're you're that kind of that rebellious person you, you, you've been away from God your life, your whole life and it, you, you've missed what his promises were and maybe it's a revealing to you right now. God is revealing just like he did for me. I was sitting in a church uh, many, many years ago just like you are I was sitting there and all of a sudden I realized I, my sin was not forgiven and that, that Jesus made a way that my sin could be forgiven and I could be connected to God and I, I just made that decision right where I was seated. I remember the pastor was praying and I just looked up in my heart and even I think physically and just said, God, forgive me. I accept the gift of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of my sin. I accept that now in my life. Right now, God, you're, you, you're, I just remember that moment he was forgiving me and, and I began a relationship now with God through Jesus Christ and I had this deep sense in my heart that I discovered, not just, I was on a journey to discover now what real life was, but now eternal life. It was a part of my story and I just remember that moment. It just happened such a simple moment and it's simple for you. Right now, This morning, you just turn and say, God, I I surrender. Not my plans, but my life. I accept the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. Forgive me of my sin right now. God, you're connecting me to you through your son, Jesus Christ. Turn to you, accept that gift that for all who believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. They are saved, saved from their sin, their brokenness, have salvation, eternal life. I receive that today in Jesus' name. Amen.